embarrassing. <laughs> How embar- No, that was awesome. Thank you so much for putting those together, Ryan. That was amazing. Um, as the video said, my name is Josh Minos, and I'm the the uh, Grace Youth Worship um, leader and middle school coordinator here at Grace. And man, it's an honor to be here. But before I even get going, we have an exciting announcement for you guys coming up this September. As Ali said, there's a lot going on. But we're introducing a new Sunday morning 7th and 8th grade class happening during church in September. September 24th, it's called Stride. Stride is underneath the umbrella of Grace Youth. I'll be teaching it and organizing it, and I couldn't be more excited. It's about purposely taking the next step. A stride is a purposeful step towards a goal, and we're going to be doing that with our seventh and eighth graders starting this fall. Um, it's going to be a great bridge between what Jordan's doing in Element 456 and what we're doing here in Big Church, as we call it, so endearing and lovingly in youth ministry. So. If you know a middle schooler, if you have a middle schooler, if, if you, you know anything about a middle schooler, let them know. Um, we would love to see them there starting September, when? September 24. Thank you. So <laughs> with all of that said, guys, I am just so honored to be here um, in front of you today speaking. Um, yeah, I don't know why they let me up here, but <laughs> I'm just so excited. <laughs> And honestly, this message that I have for you today is a message um, that God's been speaking to me. He's been preaching to me over the last year of my life. So this is nothing that I'm not guilty of, but this is something that God has been pulling me, sometimes dragging me through. Um, And I'm confident that God has a word for us this morning. So I just want to invite you, whether you're in here, if you're online, it's an invitation. Be part of the family today. Drop whatever else is going on outside and just be here, be present today, because I really do believe God has a word for this church, amen? That's true. Well, let's get into it then. So some of you know, um, I'm not from here, and I'm, I'm an outsider. I'm from Minnesota originally, but ever since I, yeah, Minnesota, so, ever since I moved here, um, I've learned I can count on one thing in the Detroit area, and what is that? Broken traffic laws, huh? I've learned that stop signs and stop lights are merely stop suggestions. I've seen illegal U-turns, people flipping around in wild ways. Come on, if if you hear, if you know that, have seen this, say an amen with me. I've also seen, and this one's the craziest one to me, right? I've seen people backing up on ramps when when there's a lot of traffic on 94. Has anybody else seen that? Like backing up, going backwards. I'm like, what is going on? People are kind of crazy out here sometimes. With all that said, there are some traffic laws that are more socially acceptable to break. For example, speeding. When's the last time that you actually went the speed limit? The real speed limit, because there's that made up rule, like right, five to seven miles an hour over won't get you pulled over, right? But when's the last time you actually went the speed limit? I've even heard this one, and not along if you've heard this one too. The real speed limit on 94 through the city of Detroit is 70, not 55. You guys see it says 55, right? I'm not crazy. But if I'm going 55 on 94, people are passing me like it's the Autobahn out here. So it's, it's just kind of wild. And some of you are wondering why I'm talking about this. Um, but hang in there, because if you go too long 
driving over the speed limit, you're going to get pulled over. And when you get pulled over for speeding, you're asked the age-old question, do you have any idea how fast you were going? I bring this up not because I'm interested in your speeding habits today. I bring it up because I feel prompted to ask each and every one of you about your life and your spiritual habits today. You see, we live in an environment and a culture of endless speed, one thing to the next until we're laying in bed at night wondering how it got so late and how little time we're going to have to sleep before it all starts over again the next morning. Our society is often busy and in a hurry. And that's not all. Our society is constantly in a vicious battle for our mind and our attention. If you disagree with that, I challenge you to leave your phone at home for a full day and check how many times you're checking your pockets or your purse for it. This isn't an issue that only resides with our phones, but I've also noticed a necessity for constant entertainment, dopamine hits that distract us from the moment yet feel so comfortable. What's easier, dealing with a real life situation or binge watching Michael Scott make a fool out of himself on The Office? Friends, this morning I would like to point out that patterns of hurry and distraction like these in our lives only lead to deep amounts of stress, anxiety, and yes, speeding through life. Busyness and hurry are not only enemies of our mental and physical health, but also a deeper spirituality, or spiritual, um, a spiritual reality in our walk with Christ. And I'm here today as a fellow Christ follower to remind you a better reality exists, but this reality can only exist if we slow down, if we check our speed and let the Spirit of God work in our lives. God invites us to dwell with him and dwelling can never happen unless we pay attention to what's going on, the speed that we're traveling. And this leads me to our big idea of the day. And if you guys remember only one thing from today, let it be this, dwelling, oh, sorry. I jumped ahead. (laughs) But I have a question for you today. Do you have any idea how fast you are going. And as we consider that question, I invite you to join me in reading Luke 10, 38 through 42. There's Bibles underneath your seat. You can check it out on the screen as well. But if you would, please stand and join me. As we read, Luke 10, 38 through 42 says this, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Notice the word necessary there. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Lord, thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I just ask that you would soften my heart to be receptive to to your spirit, Lord, that your words would come out and not mine. 
I ask for the softening of everybody's hearts in this room, Lord, that we would be changed because your presence is in this place. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So let's set the scene here. Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem, and many scholars believe they're walking through the city of Bethany. And while there, they're greeted by a woman named Martha. And as we see in other places in the scripture, Martha is sister to Mary, who is a follower of Jesus, and Lazarus, who was raised from the dead by Jesus. So these people are close with Jesus. Martha invites Jesus and likely his followers into her home. And during this time, Martha is serving those in the house. And Mary is seen sitting and listening at the feet of Jesus. For Mary to be doing this was a big deal culturally at the time. By sitting and learning at Jesus' feet, she was assuming the position of a student or of a disciple of Jesus. And women in this time, that wasn't what they were supposed to be doing. They were supposed to be taking care of the house, taking care of the guests. A lot of women didn't even get an education, let alone from an influential rabbi of the time. So this is a big deal. And when I read this, and and it sets up this conflict right away, right? Because when I read this, I picture Martha being in a hurry and as time goes on, starting to boil up with irritation towards her sister, Does anybody have siblings in here? Because if you do, you probably know what I'm talking about. Mary continues, um, or sorry, Martha continues cooking or cleaning or whatever she's doing. She's busy serving, right? And Mary continues sitting and learning. And eventually this gets to an eruption, an erupting point in which Martha doesn't even approach Mary about it. She goes straight to the source of power. And I imagine her erupting Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me here to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Or in other words, Jesus, send Mary to do what she's supposed to be doing. Or in more blunt terms, put Mary in her place. She's supposed to be helping me. But what does Jesus do? How does he respond? It it always amazes me to read and see how Jesus' responses almost never line up with the cultural expectations of the time. He replies, Martha, Martha, you can hear the kindness of his voice because he repeats it, right? Martha, Martha, you are anxious about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus kindly and calmly responds. He helps Martha understand that only one thing is necessary, or in other words, it's essential, and that's spending time learning from him. Not only this, he shows within the statement this is a gift for any of his followers. Jesus is kind and also correcting and authoritative in his response, right? And there's a lot that we could dig into in this passage, but I want to land on one simple truth. Um, If you remember just one thing, actually let it be this. I jumped ahead earlier, but let it be this one, okay? Dwelling in the presence of God is a necessary gift. And I think that's so important. So I'm gonna say it again. Dwelling in the presence of God is necessary, right? It's essential and it's a gift. Let's dig into a bit more. And be honest with me, you guys can raise your hand. I I like feedback because I'm also a worship leader. That's that's one of my favorite things is when people are engaging, 
Um, who in here has heard the line, stop being a Martha or don't be a Martha in here? Come on, it's kind of a popular line. Um, and I'm gonna be honest, a lot of times, Martha's kind of drugged through the mud in this passage. She's not given the respect that she deserves in this passage because what is she doing? She's inviting Jesus into her home. She's serving, right? These are virtuous things, even spiritual gifts that she's doing. But there was a problem, right? Jesus points out in this passage that the issue was not the serving, but it was the distraction and the anxiety and the troubled nature of her serving. See, Jesus was pointing out that Martha's doing was not coming from a place of first being. Her doing wasn't coming from a place of being. The beautiful gift that's offered to us by God in this invitation is to simply be in his presence, to learn from him, to take a deep breath and know that God is who he says he is. That is what being is about, learning, resting, dwelling in God's presence. Meanwhile, Martha was frazzled. She was going at 100%, and what it produced in her life was anxiety, trouble, and even jealousy and anger towards her sister, and maybe even Jesus. At the same time that Martha was busy doing, her sister Mary was content being in the presence of God himself. And what did this look like for Mary? The example that is seen in this passage is Mary sitting and listening. Not only was she present with Jesus, but she took the time to sit and to listen. There's a distinct difference between these two things. Being in the same room and listening are very different things. My wife, Grace, she's a teacher by trade um, who's taught first graders and other elementary school um, ages. And she said this, and it was funny to me, that's why I'm including it, that if you've ever been in a classroom, you know um, that there's a huge difference between sitting and having no intention of listening <laughs> or learning. Right, so culture is opposed to both of these things. What I want us to notice here is that there's a distinct difference between them. While listening requires um, being attentive, sitting just requires being there. And, at, and we have an enemy that desperately wants to distract us from both of these things. But the beauty of the story, and if we look at the entirety of the gospel of Jesus, we can see that Christians have a beautiful invitation to be in his presence. And as I've pointed out, one of the main problems we face, however, is we are pitted up against a culture of all-consuming busyness, friends. Busyness is pervasive, it's insatiable, even addictive. It's not a secret that our world is full of it and our culture praises it. And if you just so happen to have time on your hands, it's easy to think that you're in the wrong or you're doing something wrong. How often do you look at your calendar and you're wondering and you're amazed at how quickly it filled up? We have dinner here tonight. Our kids have sports practice these nights. We have a doctor's appointment this day and just keeps building and building and building. Hurry takes over. 
Pastor and author John Mark Homer says it this way in the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And if you guys um, haven't, I'm reading it right now, and it's honestly incredible. So I I would would, um, encourage it. But he says it this way, hurry is violence against the soul. Think about that for a second. It's violence against the soul. We are consumed from mental hurry as well. We have gotten to the point of constant entertainment and instant gratification, access to knowledge whenever and wherever we like it. We walk around with supercomputers in our pockets, doing our beck and will, and constantly competing for our attention. Those chimes, those dings. These devices are being built and monitored to know us better than we know Ourselves, They literally create algorithms based off of our likes and dislikes to addict us into this cycle further and further. Another quote from John Mark says this, reminder, your phone doesn't actually work for you. You pay for it, yes, but it works for a multi-billion dollar corporation in California, not for you. You're not the customer, you're the product. Think about that. It's your attention that's for sale along with your peace of mind. Satan uses busyness and distraction in our lives to distract us from the presence of God. But like I said, there's a better way, friends. And I want to point us back to our big idea for today, that dwelling in the presence of God is necessary and it's a gift. We have these two different ideas and let's break them down here. So first and foremost, dwelling in the presence of God is necessary. Pastor Mike Kelsey at McLean Bible Church once stated, being too busy to spend time with God is like saying I'm too busy to breathe. Everybody take a deep breath for me. It's like saying I'm too busy to do what's essential to live. If you say you're a Christian, and please hear my heart on this, because this is something I've been wrestling with so much. If you say you're a Christian, nothing And I mean nothing should hold higher priority on your life and on your schedule than actively sitting and learning in the presence of God. Amen? Anything else is idolatry, and it will lead to spiritual sickness spreading through every aspect of your life. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of those that I am close to. When God is put on the back burner, everything else gets out of whack. And I want to clarify that I'm not saying cancel all the good things happening in your life. Quit your jobs. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not saying throw your phone and media outlets out the window. Um, and for an example, I'm a huge fan and proponent of um, sports. I think they're a really positive thing for children to do. But what I'm saying is once our child's sports practices become prioritized, once our work schedules become prioritized, once anything else that could get in the way become prioritized over being with Jesus, things go crazy. As we saw with Martha, she was doing a good thing, but she was not doing the necessary thing. She was doing good things, but she wasn't doing them out of a place of overflow from dwelling with God. This led her to sickness, anxiety, and worry. And it was spreading throughout her life. Busyness can be all-encompassing, but as we see in the scripture and others throughout the Bible, it is necessary as Christians to be with God, to listen to him 
and learn to soak in his presence. John 15, four says, abide in me. This is Jesus. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What is Jesus saying here? He says, prioritize time with me and you'll be like a branch that bears much fruit. You will grow spiritually. An important thing to differentiate here is he isn't saying, take time to do things for me and you'll bear fruit. He's simply showing that being with him will lead to the fruit. So often we get caught up in the opposite. If I do, do, do these good things, these good deeds, if I serve people in need, if I'm hospitable and kind, I will be in deeper relationship with Jesus. But ultimately that leads to a busy schedule and a crippling spiritual anxiety. And according to John 15, 6, two verses later, it will ultimately lead to death, permanent disconnect from the tree that produces life. Jesus reminds Martha of the necessity of simply being with him and listening to him, learning from him how it's absolutely needed. Lives are busy with good things. There's a million good things we could say yes to. But dwelling is a necessary thing. And as Christians, your time dwelling with God must empower your time spent doing all those good things everywhere else. Devotion leads to action, not the other way around. So let's talk about the gift portion of our idea today. Dwelling in the presence of God is a gift. Do you know that, Grace? It's not something that is earned, but it's given freely. Friends, we have a God whose heart desires that none shall perish, none shall die, but all should be with him in community, in communion. We as humans have separated ourselves through sin from life in God's presence. God is loving, yet he is also holy. He cannot stand in the presence of sin. So what did he do? Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus came and he flipped the script. Fully God, fully man, he humbled himself and died to take on the sins of all who believe. That's you and me. It's a gift beyond measure that we can be in the presence of God because as humans, we're deserving of death and only death. But God, (laughs) but Jesus, God offers life and communion with him so freely. He gladly invites us to have a seat at his table, to learn from him, to abide in him and live life abundantly. One of Pastor Kevin's favorite verses is John 10, 10. And it says something along the lines of this, the enemy came to steal, kill and destroy. But God came to give life and life abundantly. This only happens when we check our speed and dwell with God, when we ask the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, when we prioritize him over all other things in our life, when we set our attention on him. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. 
Are you guys anxious this morning? Are you distressed? Do you guys have baggage that you're bringing into this room this morning? Are you broken? Because God wants to know. He wants you to bring it to him. And that's an invitation for all of you. If, if any of you are under my voice right now, the God of the universe is offering life in his presence to you. Slow down and rest in it. This is the single greatest gift that could ever be given. And what, with all this said, what does this mean practically to you and me? Because <laughs> I've said a lot. <laughs> As a follower of Jesus, as a husband, as a father, and a, a minister with the youth, there are endless opportunities to fill my schedule to the brim. And oftentimes that's exactly what happens, right? We're all guilty. And what God has been chipping away at me throughout this last year and showing me to be good practice within the day-to-day -day is prioritizing time spent with him. Not only that, but inviting him to be present in my day-to-day I've been blessed to come to the conclusion in my life that I literally cannot live a faithful life without dependency on God's power to lift me up when I'm down, to help me move forward. And I've noticed this time and time again, when I do not prioritize this time spent with Jesus, spiritual sickness spreads throughout my life. I go numb. I fall into patterns of apathy, of dependence on electronics and media, I don't lead my family well spiritually. I don't do my job well, and it's a vicious cycle. Has anybody else ever been there? But God's goodness, the goodness of his invitation has been consistent in my life. And the invitation is simple. Slow down and dwell with me. Prioritize me. This isn't about adding time with God in your already busy schedule. This is about prioritizing God throughout the entirety of your schedule, inviting him into what's happening, what you're doing. Friends, we cannot add more hours to the day. And if we did, we'd probably fill it with other stuff anyways. But we can orient our lives around time spent dwelling with God. And sometimes this means saying no to good things in your life that are happening in order to reset. Sometimes this means simply inviting God into the things you're currently doing. And make no mistake, this is not something you can earn. It's simply a gift that's freely offered. Don't just get in the same room as God. Martha was in the same room as God himself. Yet she still missed the point. She was too busy doing. My encouragement to you today is to recognize the presence of Jesus in your life and prioritize resting and learning from him. Do you guys believe he's in the same room as us right now? Yes. So what does this actually look like for me? This is taking time, every car ride into work with God to admit my absolute dependency on him. God, I need you. <laughs> I can't do this day without you. I invite you into this difficult situation. I confess my sinful heart to you. It's taking time with my wife and son to worship God in the evenings, even if it's just a song or a prayer as a family. 
It's spending time in his word and asking and pondering what he has been up to in my life. It's learning how to Sabbath. I'm bad at Sabbath, guys. <laughs> if you heard um, Pastor Doug and Meg's uh, sermon a few weeks ago on Sabbath, it's highly worth your time because it changes things. It's in these times of confessing dependency and abiding in Jesus and listening for his voice that I'm truly and honestly able to walk with him in intimacy and obedience. In these times that I'm actually able to lead my family spiritually to be the husband and the father I'm called to be. It's in these times that I have strength to say no to sin. It's in these times that I feel bold to share my faith and encourage others. None of these happen when I'm speeding through life. None of these things. It only happens when I dwell with God. It's impossible for me or us as a church to live like Jesus without dwelling in Jesus. Amen, church? So my challenge to you today is simple. Have an honest dialogue about the pace of your life. How can you dwell in the presence of of God this week. And today, as we come to a close, we're gonna practice exactly that. Um, we're gonna do things a little bit different to close it up today. I invite you guys from wherever you're, whatever you're bringing into this room, wherever you're coming from, to simply be with Jesus for a few minutes. Um, John and the band are gonna play some music. I invite you to sit, to stand, to kneel, what's ever comfortable. But the important thing about this time so I invite you to listen. What is the Holy Spirit impressing on your heart this morning? Mary sat and she listened. So in this time, let's do except exactly that. Do you have any idea how fast you're going, friends? Because dwelling in the presence of the Lord is a necessary gift. Are you going to accept it today? So let's sit, let's listen. And when you're feeling good and confident and comfortable, let's sing and praise God. Amen, church? Only this I see Just to dwell, dwell, dwell Here forever This will be my posture Laying at your feet Just to dwell, dwell, dwell Here forever 
dearest father cause his fame most beautiful most beautiful dearest father cause his fame most beautiful most beautiful One thing I desire, only this I see, just to dwell, dwell, dwell here forever. This will be my posture, laying at your feet, just to dwell, dwell, dwell here forever. i 
gathered this morning before service even started to pray for you um, and to listen, um, kind of to practice what we've been talking about today. Um, and this is what they heard. Um, needs to be steady or committed is something they heard. So if that applies to you, um, feeling weary and waiting either for kids to return to Christ or for marriage um, when to speak or when to be quiet. That's funny because of the testimony video we heard. But if that applies to you, um, eye issues, struggling with doubt or unbelief, um, somebody needs to know just peace and be still. Um, and shoulder issues. If that, if anything uh, stands out to you or if that's you, um, we have trained people down here to pray with you here after this service. So please feel free guys, um, and, or if anything else, if you want to meet Jesus for the first time, if you want, you know, if you have any prayer needs, feel free to come down and to pray with somebody who's trying to pray with you. Thank you guys. God bless you all. Have a great rest of your Sunday.